Welcome back to Making the Metaverse with me, Michael Carter. Making the Metaverse is presented by OnTheBlockchain.ca, Canada's fastest growing blockchain community. Welcome to another amazing episode of Making the Metaverse with me, Michael Carter, and uh, my incredible guest today, uh, Zach, who I've been in touch with over, I think, the past year, kind of connected and then kind of weren't uh, in in touch and then suddenly reconnected. Um, Zach's a a multi-talented individual. He's got experience in a, a range of roles. He's worked uh, on VR and AI products at Facebook slash Meta, so that very much uh, on topic for this show. Um, he's also he's, like, he's got lots of projects and experiences that he's worked on. Um, he did a project uh, for Crohn's and Colitis Canada that got a lot of uh, attention in the media, national attention in the media. Uh, Zach's a researcher. He's a project manager. He's an entrepreneur. Um, let's see if there's anything Zach can't do. Welcome to the show, Zach. <laughs> thank you, uh, thank you, Michael. I think you've covered it all, and I appreciate the honor of being here. It's it's uh, long overdue, so uh, thanks a lot. Oh yeah, I'm I'm so I'm super excited. I've been telling everybody uh, that I'm going to get a chance to talk to you today. So there's a lot of people that are excited to see the show when it comes out. Um, oh, I'm wondering who you talked, who you spoke to. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, everyone, everyone who will listen. <laughs> awesome. Um, as far as the audience can go as far as the audience can go yeah the last count is 60 countries at this point so yeah um my first question the most important question is uh when is uh i saw that you worked for orange if that's how you pronounce it but more importantly uh did you fly helicopters (laughs) no i think it's interesting you asked me that question um and i've gotten that question probably twice um, yet so far um interestingly i haven't and this was uh, orange's uh old office that i was actually there as a summer intern um and that's kind of where like my research passion and data kind of got um got me going i felt that bug within me um it was something that i got through my university i, I ended up there i was a summer intern i absolutely loved the work they were doing like the data that they're collecting of you know transporting patients from one place to another and and uh, surprisingly i also learned that I actually do inter-country transport as well which is between canada and the u.s so i didn't realize this sort of the threshold that they have and you know so, you know uh, surprisingly, I was actually visiting Orange's website just last night, just kind of seeing where they are. And I think there's been such a change of management mm. and change of their marketing, their brand. And they are, I think, the only um, EMS healthcare ambulance uh, in Ontario, I believe, funded. Um, and it's a big overhaul to take care of that many mm. calls. And I think it's 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 huge what they're working on. So I'm just looking around and seeing what they're where they're at right now. And um, were the helicopters orange at the uh, from the beginning? Always, always orange. Always orange, yeah. Uh, their air transport uh, and their land transport has always been orange. You don't really see much of their land transport. Um, it's mo- mostly, when I remember many years, it was always parked at base or sometimes at Pearson. Things mm. might have- <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I see them flying into uh, Kingston General Hospital on occasion from my house. Yeah. Yes, yes, that's true. So uh, have you ever been in a helicopter? You know what? I, I've never been in one. And um, 
Interesting you talk about helicopters. Just this morning, actually, I was looking at the different types of helicopters by Airbus and different types of helicopters. My son has a really huge fascination for helicopters. Um, and like I said, you know, he's only two and a half. And, and I've gotten these miniature helicopters to him. And I was like, let's just look up and do some research on them. So I looked at the utility of helicopters. It's just not meant for, you know, flying VIPs from here and there. They can be ambulances. They can mm -hmm. be capacity vehicles. They can mm -hmm. be rescue, military, mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, also for good carrying goods from one place to another. So really interesting, the the, the wide variety of, of usage a helicopter has. And what really also inspired me, a lot of else kind of let you know on this is that I actually started reading more into aviation nowadays and something that kind of triggered me. I recently, just a week and a half ago, took a flight dispatcher course in okay. Toronto. Um, and like that is a whole different language. And, you know, I, I just wanted to take it because I was curious to learn about the language. And I'm just waiting for my dates to come in from Transport Canada uh, to actually write these two uh, uh, exams. And one is like on weather and one is like flight operations. And then and then you can potentially go in and go work for an airlines or a helicopter dispatcher and whatnot. You're basically planning their routes, making sure everything is safe as they transition into the clouds and mm -hmm. you know is it um is it uh, an instrument rated uh flight or are they able to what the weather is looking like so you're really guiding the pilot mm -hmm. throughout that journey from point a to point b mm -hmm. everything just took that on and hence i've got this fascination for helicopters now mm -hmm. um so yeah it's, it's interesting you bring that up <clears throat> well um I uh, I was flying my drone today. I haven't flown it for a while. I was doing some uh, taking some video <clears throat> shots of the cricket team here at St. Lawrence College. Oh, really? um, okay. they were pretty pumped about it. Unfortunately, I, I backed into a wall and it came down, but it still flies, so it's fine. Uh, thank you, DJI, for making fabulous products. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the things that I always tell people is, uh, you know, what, drones are amazing just on on themselves. But as as someone that has this drone uh, I, and I use the uh, flying software on my phone and it actually intersects with like, I don't even know what the proper words are, but like it shows me like flight paths for airplanes and the mm. and the local airport. And so there's all of this like uh, all of these all this like data and all of these systems that are in place that I don't know that a lot of people necessarily know or are aware of. Maybe they mm. like have flown and have seen the little, you know, on the back of the chair in front of you, you can put the map on that shows like the airplane going like super slow yeah. across yeah, to yeah. your destination. Sure. Um, but uh, there's like uh, a lot of uh, a lot of technology out there for navigation purposes. Oh, uh, absolutely. And I think what you're seeing there is probably just a, a really uh, a miniature version. Yeah, for sure. I, I'm guessing, yeah. Uh, like a really watered down version. And I, I kid you not, actually, there's actually a certification that you can take with Transport Canada as a as a drone pilot, too. So, yeah, I've uh, seen that, yeah. Uh, it's really interesting. And even the FAA has got that, too. So that's FAA mm -hmm. in the U.S. as well. So yeah. um, it's, a, it's a space that I've never, uh, you know, dabbled in, but I really want to explore more. So mm -hmm. that's kind of like my next, next thing I'm headed towards, hopefully. Well, you're, I saw the aviation uh, note on your LinkedIn profile, so I was trying to. I was looking and like, okay, where does that fit in? Is this a new yeah. thing for for Zach? Um, <laughs> um, I think this is the first day of you. I'm telling you, you're the first person that knows about this, and yeah. I haven't publicized it or made it public yeah. about you know after probably after the exams are done and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so um, 
So you worked at Orange and uh, you you had that opportunity because of some schooling. Now, I, I saw that you went to McMaster and one of your, you've got lots of certifications and degrees along the way. Um, one of them is a BA from McMaster in uh, health programs and information, yeah? Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Something like along those lines? Along like and, health, health studies, actually, yeah. Uh, health studies, uh, yeah, right, okay. And um, was that, uh, like, were you doing a lot of, um, let's say, like, technical work, like database management and that kind of stuff in that, in that, at that time? Or was it more theoretical or, like? Absolutely. And I think, for as far as I remember, actually, and I don't know if it's changed now, it was mostly uh, theoretical at that point. It was, okay. I had a lot of theory-based, um, you know, your, like, regular, like, theories of different individuals that, to be honest with you, never get utilized in, that, in life now. But I yeah. think really is the message takeaway is that university really gives you this area of opportunities. And I was a... Yeah. I was and went at university I used to skip my own classes of health studies and I used to go sit in the commerce and mm. I used to go sit in the information systems class okay Okay. So with the engineering people um it's just because i was like fascinated by some of the stuff they're doing entrepreneurship was really never uh my thing i never thought i would get into it um i i just kind of happened to be in the right place at the right time where mcmaster was also kind of like springboarding their entrepreneurial journey and i happened to like connect with an individual okay who someone and then as a result kind of snowballed from there so it is really university was really that training ground to help you springboard to understand different opportunities but also newer bigger opportunities and that's what kind of can take you to the next level um so i think for me it was really important to go and sit in all these other classes to understand how you know, take notes from students, but you know, the best part is uh, in university, like there's so many students, 230, 200 something students. Yeah. The professor doesn't really keep track of who's there, who's not. So yeah. I would be a fly in the wall, right. uh, sitting and making friends. And next thing you know, we're hanging out, I'm going to their club meetings. I'm interested in the work. And one of the questions that was always asked for me is like, why are you coming out here when you're, you got, I'm like, well, this yeah. is what passion is. Passion doesn't really necessarily mean you're really following it by the book it was really where your heart and your mind really wants to sit so that's yeah. when i went i went and so so then the the you built an app right for yes, crohn's and colitis canada a bathroom finder app right yes i did yes so so that so like i'm trying to trace out you know how you like you you uh like i said you're multi-talented <laughs> So I'm, I'm tracing out, you know, your, your, uh, how you got involved with the technical side of, of technology, because you've got lots of, uh, project and product manager experience as well. Um, so that app, was that something that you proposed? Was that, and you built a team from people in other faculties and other programs that you connected with by not showing up to class kind of thing? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's that's the key right there, right? Not showing up for class. Yeah, you know, obviously, Michael. I think and building it, connections with other people, right? Like absolutely. So it really started off in like my last year of university. I was okay. also simultaneously working um, at the McMaster uh, Hospital within gastroenterology and clinical research. So I actually had like a research job along with my studies as well. 
And then I realized the studies I was doing was important and I had to do well in it and everything. But at the same time, I thought I found passion in the work I was doing within the research space. So as a clinical researcher, I got certifications in uh, as a certified clinical researcher because when you're working with human talent or human patients, there's different sort of protocols and obligations you got to follow. Um, being in that gastrointestinal clinic, I predominantly was enrolling patients or working with patients who had gastric issues or Crohn's or IBD. And that's where sort of that passion for Crohn's and colitis, inflammatory bowel disease and GI sort of took off. And as I was seeing these patients along with the physician to enroll them into studies and administering different sort of components of the study, I'm like, there has to be a technological sort of advancement. There has to be some level of technology that can really sort of help bridge this gap of patients suffering from Crohn's disease and, and the idea of them getting on a medication or finding their facility. So as I was kind of, you know, into this research almost two years in, like I said, I worked simultaneously with the university and, and, and working at the hospital. I'm like, let me see if I can give the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation a call. I gave them a call and I saw this sort of like really nothing to like really in it, like not to put like dampness on what they had made, but it was really not the best UI, just mm. some graph of, uh, or um, a map of Canada and North America where just kind of locating certain bathrooms. It's all it had, right? So I kind of looked at it and I'm like, let me give them a call and see where this goes. Give them a call. And they knew who I was because they were the ones that are funding a mm. lot of these research studies. So they knew like I was a clinical coordinator on it. I'm working on it. Like, he's like, what's up? So I took some time out and I said, look, let me present to you a mobile potential application, a technological application of how this, this potential UI that you have can be enhanced, can be, can be made better. Um, and let's talk about it. Let's see if we can sort of revamp it. They weren't really interested in the idea. They were kind of like skeptical about it. Like, well, you're in research. Like, we need yeah. you there. I don't know where your technical background is coming from. Like, let's just talk about it. So I, what's interesting is that it was a summer of... Um, I can't even remember. I think it was 2015. I think it was summer of 2013, I believe, yeah. uh, where there was a student from Western who was uh, with me and I was training him. We kind of sat together and 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 thought of this idea. Why don't we just go ahead and pitch this? Yeah. I had no presentation background. I like in and like I was I was in a I was in course load that had like a lot of essays and not much. Yeah. Like, um, uh, you know, presentation. So I learned how to make a deck. Contacted some people in commerce and put together this deck. And then had some like wireframes I got to like work on yep. through um, Figma actually. So remember yep. that. And I and I and I said let's get to, let's get together. Went in cold turkey um, huh. to uh, present to them, and they gave me the time. They gave me the time of the day to come and talk to them. And that's just, that's a time when I realized that this is how important, you know, getting in front of someone and getting at least 10, 15 minutes to showcase your elevator pitch is key. Yeah. It's vital. And they knew like my work I was doing at the hospital. So after that demonstration and they were like, yeah, it's great. I you know, gave them handouts of how it can potentially look like. They kind of went really like silent on me for the next like three weeks or I think it was almost a month. They came back actually, Michael. They came back and said, look, we like what you did. I think what they were doing is they're going out different folks out there and getting quotations and whatnot. <laughs> and it's then they said, let's sign the contract. Huh. I had I had no company formed. I had no idea what entrepreneurship was. I just thought I could probably just get some airtime and put a deck together. And then um I was like, sure, let's let's meet up. 
And that total evaluation was about like, I think it was in the high 50 to 60,000 in terms of funding mm-hmm. that they were provided. And, you know, that's when we started to go ahead and uh, make, um, make a team out of it. So, so, um, so, so then, so in 2013 was also a little bit early in the app space, right? Like I remember not everyone was really carrying a smartphone like they are today, right? Like the, so that was, that was early. And, and, and then, uh, my notes tell me that in that you were also early in the AI chatbot space. Cause it's my notes tell me that like in 2016, you were working on an AI chatbot. Is that right? So two thousand. So I would just kind of fast forward that to 2019 and 20. 19, 20. Okay. Still pretty early. Yeah. Super early. I remember the time when NLU NLP was not really a thing. Yep. Uh, was learning about it. And that's a time when post COVID, um, after my work at CAMH, uh, yep. I was downtown at the Center for Addiction Mental Health in the digital office. And then after being laid off there, I realized that what are we doing here? Like what's happening? And that's when we went ahead and created this AI based chatbot mm. that helps, um, you know, family physicians mm. and doctors on their website yeah. initially initiate um this conversation about what's happening it's like an intake it's like an intake form Mm -hmm. really high level triage to understand um what your symptoms are abc and then kind of take you to the next step like and ideally the 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 ask is what what's happening how can we help you and then lastly here's the sort of steps where you got to take you know nine out of ten times it was like call up this doctor call up this number or contact this person Mm. We had built this for uh, a small clinic, and then also from there, the other option, the other project that springboarded from there was um, uh, a healthcare recruitment company came up to us and like, hey, we need a chatbot to do uh, so that when prospective individuals looking for work, um, it kind of screens them initially so that it tells you the right direction to go to. Um, and this was an individual that was hiring uh, talent to work abroad so it really needed like really key hmm. steps he asks by the bot so we were able to sort of pragmatically develop it um so that it gives the right outputs so that the recruiter or individual in that situation that use case was able to contact the um uh the individual interesting interesting um that's giving me uh, some better sense of your your journey to uh, Facebook slash Meta. Did did that project um, did did that project in any way set you up for that? Like how did how did you end up at Facebook? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, it's an interesting journey, and I think I'll be a hold. Uh, the journey towards Facebook happened um, really actually magically. I think it happened um, through the right connections, the right individuals post COVID. Um, and to be honest with you, I think Facebook was a great culture. It was a phenomenal culture. The, the talent of pool of people, the smart hmm. people in both the teams I worked at, both Facebook Marketplace and also uh, the VR space, mm-hmm. I learned so much about scripting, quality mm-hmm. assurance, quality control, and that too within the VR space. Like, mind you, not coming from a hardware background, not coming yeah. from 
technical engineering background and I'm open about it and I say it openly in interviews and they're like, oh, well, how'd you do all this? Well, it's all about giving that opportunity. So sometimes, you know, you, you build that trust and you build that sort of rapport and somebody's like, I'm going to give you a shot at this. And if you fail, you fail, you're out, right? And I couldn't, I couldn't let the person down who hmm. gave me that opportunity and gave me that, um, that benefit. And I still sort of respect to this day, reach out, he's a director at Facebook now within like multiple uh, business lines. Um, and uh, I love it. I love that that time. It was contractual. So I knew it was like short term, but I was able to really dive deeper mm. components of VR, you know, played in the VR headset. Like my work would be like in a nine to five, in a, in a from a nine to sort of six time frame. it would be like five hours in VR taking it wow. Um, you know, at times I'd have nausea because like I yeah. had glasses on and yep. a headgear on. Um, but it was just a great learning experience. You really learn to adapt to different um techniques and, and tricks and how do you best create that product because the problems that you're facing as a user itself or as a tester or as a quality engineer, the outside individual is also going to face it. You bring that back into the 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 journey you bring that back into the drawing board with you speak that with the engineers and the product team to see how do we best fix this like for example like the quest one i remember was like the the little uh, strap in the back used to be really like finicky we used to get yeah. into hair and all that yeah. so they kind of modified it and they got to put a put a little cushion in the back yeah. and that so like really that comfort ergonomically um of how this device has evolved it's it's mind-blowing yeah and um you know I'm, I'm sitting here looking at my notes and i and you know it says 2021 facebook and i i'm like wow like that it feels like it was 10 years ago in, in terms of like like wow like i mean 2021 i mean that was like i think that wasn't that when they changed to meta was it around yeah, that so time really, yeah exactly i was exactly in it i was there when the whole transition, so I'm actually happy and proud how the name change happened while I was there. Yeah, so it, was a, it was a moment to remember. Yes, so Facebook turned into Meta in 2021 timeframe. Yeah, <clears throat> so that was a time when you know that was a like a peak metaverse period, right? Like like oh, yeah. metaverse, like <laughs> yeah. you know, everyone had had finished up with NFTs and and yeah, uh, yeah. you know into right. the metaverse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, like I think it was like that Bitcoin sort of era, and then yep. the, the um, cryptocurrency era, and then and then you heard this right out of nowhere. Um, and I remember how the announcement happened. It was just mind blowing. Like there was this, um, they call it I think town hall, or yeah. they have a different unique name for it. And yeah. Facebook, and then boom, just got announced, right? Yeah, um, and um, yeah, so it was, it was really fascinating. And one thing that really I I, I want to bring up is that every Tuesdays or afternoons, there used to be like this this call in session with like the CTO. Um, he goes by Boz. I think that was his nickname. Uh -huh. uh, and, and uh, Andrew Boz, and it was fascinating. Like he'd be just like in his living room, uh, connected, and everybody's just asking him questions from all around, actually. So uh, from different parts of the organization, different parts of the world, because Facebook's such a multi-country team, such a yeah. multi-country organization. So like people are like tuning in from Dublin, Singapore, India. I guess Canada didn't really have much of a presence, but in different parts of the U.S. Uh, and that was nice. It was just nice to hear him naturally speak about mm. what's coming up, what's happening. Yeah. 
you know, all that stuff. I remember one thing that he really sort of caught my attention was like, write, keep writing, keep asking questions. If you write something and I don't hear, like, I, I'm not going to judge how you write, but I want to hear more from you guys. And I thought as a leader, as a CTO, you know, sitting with Mark, I felt that strong that anybody can reach out and just write about your problems or write about what you feel about AI. You felt this bug was a problem in this community and that community. Well, let's write about it. And then perhaps we can bring it to the right product team, the right engineering team. Hmm. Respecting that a lot. But given where we are in the in the market right now, is is this where are you surprised by where we are right now? Like if you could travel back to 2021, let's say, right? Mm -hmm. And and you're imagining you're writing, you're writing down your thoughts on what 2023 will look like in terms of VR, AR, metaverse, and all of that. Um, are would would you guess, would you guess that this is where we are today? Has has the tech moved beyond what you sort of were thinking about or envisioning at the time? Yeah, I think it's a great question, Michael. I think where we are right now is just probably still the initial stepping stones. I think in about two years' time frame, um, we have gone into uh, augmented reality. And, that, and, and the next thing you know, it's going to be a different state of reality. We went from virtual reality to mm -hmm. augmented reality. Where I can be in a part of a room where I can take this table and I can stretch this table out. I can sort of you know add or modify different components of this table. I can virtually pick this table up and put it in an area where I find it uh, appropriate and then I can stretch the length or the, the 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 size of this table. So that's how augmented reality has become even more powerful. And I think as we go in different industries and different use cases, it's going to be even more enhanced. I think the learning capabilities of AR, VR is just going to springboard. There's going to be startups that can come up with utilizing the Facebook <clears throat> metaverse hardware, but they'll incorporate their own sort of um, softwares in it. And I think that's where the beauty lies, where Facebook provides them that open source algorithms, open source hardware, and you build upon that. Mm -hmm. even, it's going to springboard even from mm -hmm. that one. I think, I think classrooms will be equipped with AR and VR, where you're going to be speaking with your professor within that you all have avatars. Avatars have taken off. Um, I think back when I was there, there was they were just forming those teams and and things were just coming together. Now you put up a picture and by face recognition, facial facial ID, you're able to sort of detect, you know, the difference for the facial futures. And I could probably get somebody that's looking exactly like me with the shirt and the little sort of scruff or some. Mm -hmm. you know, did you see the did you see the video with Zuck and Lex Friedman? I did. I did. Was, was that nuts or what? Crazy. It's absolutely not. Did you did you know that we would get there? Like, is that I I, I saw. Is that a surprise for you? No, I, I, yeah. In, in a way, I'm not surprised about it. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, I, I I love how Mark's sort of uh, vision is, and it's it's um, let's break barriers and let's create new things. I just love that fascination, and I think, and I, I'm not surprised, but I'm also I'm also mindful where the metaverse is going to go and where. Mm -hmm. What we're gonna do next? I think there's so, so it's not dead. Yeah, I'm not there now, and I it's think not dead. The metaverse is not dead, in your opinion. No, it's not. I think there's yeah. people that are buying land on it. There's people. There's a there's a digital land where you can invest in the metaverse and perhaps buy a house that you can afford, as opposed to buying something here in Toronto. Mm, That's how yeah, crazy. yeah, it's pretty wild. Like you know, 
And and I mean, I think for me, the, the, the thing that I'm always chanting and people like yourself that I talk to, we're all chanting the same thing. Like, you don't know until you try it. Like, yeah. people, and, and so many people still have not tried it. Yeah. And so for people might, for a lot of people, they might think, well, that's weird. Like, why would I buy a virtual house? Like, why would I have, yeah. why would I have that? And it's like, what if you've, if you've tried, especially the quest three, like that even is another game changer. It's another, like, you start to see how, like, there there's like mixed reality, virtual reality are going to be stables. Like yeah. that, that's like everyone and, and, and how like this idea that, well, it's not real, like yeah. it just, that's gone. Like, and, and mm -hmm. we're, we're in, uh, technologically, not socially yet, but technologically we're in a post material world at this point, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. No, I, I absolutely, absolutely. And it's going to get even more digital. Like I think all the current issues, current world uh, crisis, everything's getting so digital. Everything's getting so at the fingertips. Well, people are not going to turn to your average media sources. Yeah. And, and, and paper is uh, inundated, but you know, believe it or not, some people still pick up the paper and I literally still do. And I love sometimes just flipping through an newspaper, sitting in a, sitting in a lobby, uh, yeah. it gives you that sort of feel, but but that has gotten all digital. Everything has yeah. gotten so much yeah. more. Yeah. It's, it's going to even get you. Yeah. I see. I tell people, not a lot of people know that like Disney and Apple have signed a deal, right? Oh, yeah. To make 3D content, right? And yeah. so I'm, I'm trying to explain to people, and this is where, you know, AI starts to come into the mix as well. Like, mm -hmm. like I'm trying to explain to people like in the future, Instead of watching a two-dimensional movie, yeah. you can put on a headset and be in the movie. Totally. And, and the movie is unfolding like a choose-your-own-adventure yeah. in yeah. real time. Yeah, totally. Right? Like, like and it, it's like, and again, it's like, I think because people don't have the experience yet, they can't quite conceptualize that. Yeah. You know, and 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 people also don't have a lot of chat GPT experience yet, even. You know, they're using three, maybe, and they're asking it for like a recipe. <laughs> yeah. You yeah, know, but this 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 place we're moving to, you know, where where Meta put out the agents. I don't do you have can you talk to the agents yet on Instagram no, no. or Facebook? Me neither. I'm still waiting. No, I can't. No, not yet. No. Yeah. But like like I just one of the things that it, it and Ethan Mullock is good at Wharton about posting about this, uh, you know, he put, he posted the other day, like, and there's a conversation out there that's like, there's so much tech that's here right now mm -hmm. and nobody knows about it. Everybody's heard the buzz, but like so few people actually have experienced what's possible right now, which is going to be completely different and blown away come six months from now oh for sure yeah it's it's so fast paced and i think i think we're still behind we're still behind michael in north america like yeah. different other countries like <clears throat> japan for example yeah. is, um behind in what way technologically or culturally I think, I think i'm i think i'm saying we're still behind in the advancement of certain technologies here because of okay. perhaps regulate uh, regulation right okay 
ops like certain um, requirements or approvals that are needed. But like, for example, Japan or Singapore, um, in those countries are ahead of the game yeah. in all aspects. Like you got yeah. robots on the street, like super yeah. cool, doing all the cleaning at night. Like yeah. it's crazy how they're being deployed and they've got like this, this symmetry of things happening exactly how it's supposed to. You saw a video actually where everything was so symmetrically aligned in Japan where the railway closes or something closes and something happens. Yeah, that's something I've been thinking about, the the ways in which the material world will be conforming to be accessible to machines. Yes, correct. Right? And so like autonomous vehicles, like one of the problems is they have to navigate a world, uh, a, a road infrastructure designed for humans, right? Yes. And within time, we can redesign and reconfigure that infrastructure so that it's machine accessible machine accepts accessible and machine acceptable too mm -hmm. right yeah i think uh, our roads right now are not machine acceptable or machine accessible no right and we're, we're we've got we've, I they're think not even my my car acceptable in kingston the roads are brutal <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I every day i'm complaining <laughs> the other day yesterday i was driving in toronto and uh as you know we've got the biker lane and the non-biker yeah. Obviously, yep. I think I think we've mastered that master plan of being the bikers there. <clears throat> but I I still feel like intersections where you got to go through and you got a biker coming in. Where do you where is that line where you draw when you have the car back enough so that the bike can pass through? I still feel yeah. that's not systematically done well. Yep. And I think that's where um, our society needs to be more conducive to the in inclusion of machinery. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. And the inclusion. Yeah. AI, where yeah. everything is so tied together, and that's yeah. where the smart city world is coming up. And I've seen examples in Japan, um, Singapore. <clears throat> I think there's some great advancement happening in the Middle East with building up these crazy, like you know, in multi-layer cities. Yeah. So that's where smart cities are going to go, and I think yeah, from virtual reality to augmented reality, we're going to be living in a reality where we can like go from level like. We're in a city where I can travel upwards. Right. Cities. Yes. Like yeah. Tunnel, tunnel. Yeah. 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 So what are your thoughts on, um, this is something, so I, when we had spoke, spoken before and now Humane has released their pin, right? Have you seen the product video for the Humane AI pin? No, I haven't actually. Oh yet. yeah. You got to watch that after the show. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, so I got the MetaQuest 3 as soon as it came out. And I've been saying for a long time, mixed reality, AR, like this is what's going to really get everything going. Um, and, and, uh, and then I saw the Ray-Ban Meta come out. And so I ordered that they're, they're still coming They're on back order, I guess, but I've been waiting four weeks now. I'm going to call lens crafters and see what's going on. Um, but, um, you know, I, I, I grabbed those and I was like, well, this is, you know, I, I've been waiting for, you know, augmented reality every day through my regular eyewear, right? That, that for me, like, you know, and, 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 and so then the, the Ray-Ban Metas came out and I was like, hmm, there's no augmented reality here. I'm not sure about this. And then the Humane AI pin came and I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought about it and I thought, hmm, okay, so 
I mean, Meta is a smart company. I'm sure they've done their research. There's got to be something of value here. Mm -hmm. And so I started rethinking my own paradigm around the, the future of human computer interaction and thinking less about screens and realizing that I had kind of trapped myself where all I was thinking about was the future of screens mm -hmm. as, a, as an interface. And, uh, and I started thinking, about, I was like, you know, actually, like, I don't need to have a screen all the time. If my eyewear can see and scan the world and can talk to me through the earpiece, like that's, that's good. That's plenty. Right. And I can have a conversation with, with AI through that, uh, piece of hardware. Mm -hmm. And then I saw the humane video come out and I was, and I was like, whoa, yeah, that's it. Like they totally lay it out really well. Like the, you know, the, 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 the potential for the future of human computer interaction through just through audio, just through talking, right. Natural conversation, talking, um, so what are, what are your, have you given that much thought in terms of, you know, what the, how the future unfolds in terms of that AI interface with humans? Like, is it going to be just screens? Is it going to be just audio? Is it going to be a mixture of the two? Um, what have you given thought to that? Yeah, I, I actually have, and I think, um, where we're headed is, uh, the whole idea of AI inter interfaces with um with facial recognition uh, with faces I, I think it's i think it's the next new world i think that's where we're going to be seeing this um collaboration especially within like major archaic systems like healthcare academia uh manufacturing where that's going to be the disruptor where you're going to have ai interfaces interacting with the human face Right, and hmm. I think how does that look like? It's going to look and unfold in various, uh, you know, spaces. And I think one of the ways it's going to do is by is by utilizing hardware such as the such as the uh, the Oculus Quest One and the Quest Two, uh, hmm. such as using the Ray Bands as a ways to interpret and to give you those cues and to yeah. further enhance where you're what you're learning. But then hmm. at the same time, that AI model is going to really um it, it's going to pick up and understand your behaviors it's yeah standards it's going to pick up uh non-standards and it's going to train its training data to sort of give its output um accordingly because mm -hmm. the more you train the data the more the, the data is cleansed um you get more of that better output and it needs to learn multiple data sets to understand one's behavior I think the human behavior is so complicated, but the AI model has not got there yet. And it's getting there. And I think once it does, you'll see a lot of these interactions with AI interacting with, you know, faces and in various, uh, various industries being disrupted. Hmm. Um, so this is a good point to come to because, um, you know, you've been dealing with healthcare data for a long time some of the most uh, sensitive data that we have, right? Financial data and health data are, are like pretty uh, places where, where we're vulnerable, let's say. Um, and, um, you know, the, the ongoing question around ethics of data collection and data usage and 
privacy and you know uh, you know through your time obviously working at Meta Facebook one of the biggest targets ever <laughs> for yeah. uh, privacy advocates um, and yet at the same time probably possibly the single most the, the single entity with the most users of any entity ever on planet earth <laughs> or one of right like who else can claim to have four billion users like there's not very many of those out there um and uh so do you, is that something that has been a part of your conversation and your research along along the ways if you and what and if so what is what is your sort of journey been around uh the ethics of all of this data which we are as we just discussed you know is going to get more intimate you know um i'm interested in agents and agents knowing me and being able to coach me based on what they know about me um is, is this a, a space that you've given thought to over the years yeah absolutely michael i think agents and ethics uh <clears throat> have always been something um you know at, at the end at the end of the day like the the ethical filter should always be there. And I think data privacy and the data advocates have always um, picked on Meta for the lack of privacy, for mm -hmm. the lack of adherence to certain protocols. But I can I can, I can say one thing coming out from Meta, Meta has done such a good job in really sort of addressing that in a really pragmatic, sort of realistic manner and to address um, and to address it. But let's be quite honest, it's inevitable for big companies and organizations to not collect this data. You can hide the data encrypted to some level, and you can have different tiers of encryption to that data set um, uh, applicable to people of different walks of life or different walks in the organization. But then again, that data still sits in somewhere. It still sits on the cloud. It still sits yep. on the um, It might be different tiers of permissions one has to that data. So. Well, they've done a good job of addressing it, at least to a level of, look, we're going to collect this data, not for the use of, you know, you know, to expose your vulnerabilities, to expose where and what is happening in your daily life. You know, um, people, as if they're really that concerned about data and privacy, they should perhaps, and one of the good things that, you know, just get off the network, just get off Facebook, just get off Instagram. Mm -hmm. Those people that get off those networks end up coming back. Because they're missing something. Yeah. It's, an interaction, it's an exchange of communication. It's an exchange of data between the user and the collector of that data. And I think that's important. And I think the privacy concerns around it are all legitimate and are all sort of genuine. Uh, but I think, you know, organizations, especially like Meta, have done a great job, uh, really, from all tiers of collecting this data for the purpose of enhancing productivity mm -hmm, yeah enhancing their products yeah. like for example meta right now is collecting data within your facebook profile it's connected to the metaverse it's connected to the oculus headset instagram is also tied into that um they're working on something within healthcare and i think the idea would be like hey can we sort of um collect various sort of biometrics off an individual or from a research study and connect it into that metaverse right so i know i know it's a big sort of consortium of data you, as you could say that but there's obviously going to be like checks and balances in place um to tackle the ethics component of it mm. and i think that collection of data will never stop i think it's even right data is everywhere like everywhere yeah, it's, it's everywhere yeah. Exactly. and i think you should have like 
like I'm looking at the reflection of my glasses right now. My glasses are augmented reality, uh, which they're not. Uh, this is data being collected, the size of the screen, the color. The right. Color. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty wild. You know, I, I'm, I, I stopped using Facebook soon after starting my work in surveillance studies. Um, and uh, I've come full circle now. Like, you know, anyone that knows me knows I'm putting all kinds of data out there now on social media. There, but there was a time where I, I kind of st mm -hmm. stepped back and, and tried not to have any sort of digital footprint. Um, but um, it's, uh, it's an exchange, right? At the end of the day, what I'm always telling people is, look, like, you know, you, you, we all got access to the most incredible, magical, impossible to dream communication platform ever known for free, <laughs> you know, like, and, and yes, the, you have to give up some data for that. And, and yeah, ultimately the question is a personal one. And, and of course, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be privacy law and there shouldn't be protections in place. I, I guess what I'm saying is that you know I, I accept that there is uh, that there's an exchange that's being made, and um, so uh, you know I, I'm looking forward to being able to give more data actually, uh, so that I can get better help um, from uh, various platforms. For sure, yeah, absolutely. And I think if you look at it from like the right mindset with a positive attitude, and if you have like a really pragmatic, positive approach, mm -hmm. to it, yeah, that with some positive outcomes to it, yeah. Too. So I think yeah. it's really balancing your thought process and training your personal mind um, and, and removing the noise that this is all for the greater good. And mm -hmm. if you're um, and if you're altruistic about it and you feel that this is good work that's being put in, I think that's important. Like, for example, like, let's say if you're passionate about something, you're passionate about a cause, it's just data you're pushing out there. And it's at a micro level, perhaps. But then at the macro level, perhaps it might make an impact. Yeah. It might make an impact on the mm -hmm. algorithms of the certain sort of platforms. Because they all yeah. are now built in and pushing in the algorithms and they're all AI sort of bots feeding this in. So that is a way to at least sort of, you know, you, you got all these digital sort of, you know, I, I was a digital keyboard warriors now. That, yeah. it, it's interesting because like it's that micro impact is really key. Uh -huh. uh, and that's data that you're providing, uh, perhaps to a language model, perhaps to a cause, or perhaps to something that you're passionate about. So on that note, um, are you are you working on any new projects? Are you are you looking for some collaborators? Are you like where are you at right now? I mean, you um, have got, as we've shown, <laughs> so much experience. Um, and uh, so much wisdom uh, in these spaces. Uh, so what are, are you working on anything new um, that you want to talk about before we sign off? Or, or, and, uh, and are there people that you're interested in, you know, for those that are maybe listening and thinking, boy, I'd like to work with Zach on something, or are there projects that your collaborators you're looking for? Absolutely. And I think one of the first collaborators would be probably like yourself, Michael. I think you're <laughs> Thank so you. A lot of like the work that you're doing within the college level. Yeah, absolutely. Like I myself, I'm um I'm taking a step back right now. I'm just really rediscovering what's important right now. Where can I really fit my talents in? Um so to 
to the public that's listening, I'm a free agent now, so I'm interested in, in various assets, and I'm interested in leveraging the knowledge I've gained at Facebook and the knowledge I've gained in entrepreneurship and selling a startup and scaling it, of failing at different comp- uh, businesses, and 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 creating products from end to end and seeing where I can fit in best. So that's why I'm taking a step back right now to see who I can collaborate with. And I'm always open to collaborating with everyone too. And, and I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll post my information in terms of contact details. And I'll be safe posted up about here and there. Well, that was going to be my next question. How do people reach out to you? <laughs> I guess we can post it here or down there or wherever you want. Uh, yeah, email is the best. And, you know, absolutely, I'll share that email with me. Uh, and then we can go from there. LinkedIn, shoot me up on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm super approachable about stuff. Um, and and I love to talk about many different as- aspects of life. And I think, you know, that exchange of dialogue from people of different walks of life have allowed me to be a sponge. And I think that's important when you're when you're on this journey. Wow. Thank you, Zach. Uh, this has been an absolute uh, pleasure. Thank you for your time. I uh, really appreciate it. Um, I guess this isn't uh, goodbye. Uh, it's uh, we'll see you again soon since we're collaborators now. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Uh, I hope you have a fantastic weekend. Thanks so much for your time. No problem. Thank you so much. See you me. soon. Take care. Bye for now. Thank you.